Okay, Boker Tov, we continue in the Sefer Nefesh Shimshom from Rav Pinkus. Yesterday we discussed the Kavana that we should have, at least for the understanding of what we're saying when we're saying the Shema, that it should be a life-altering experience. So then we follow up with Baruch Shem Kavod Machusol Ilam Blessed should be the name of his honor, of his kingship forever and ever. So when you think after you said the Kriyashma and you understand the implications of that declaration, as we said, it should be life transforming for the person, for you, the Jew, Shema Yisrael. But what about the rest of the world? What about the Goyish world? They haven't accepted it, they haven't changed at all. And once we've internalized this wonder, wondrous clarity, our hearts are broken inside. Why? Because we say, yes, this is so true. This is so obvious. This is so two plus two equals four. How is it possible that the rest of the world doesn't see this? And then therefore we're feeling so broken so therefore we say is that the, the name of the honor and the kingdom of Hashem should be blessed forever. That this truth should spread to the whole world. They'll all understand this. And primarily by us. That by the Jews should be that way. And for me myself, I should truly live in that reality. That even in my own self, where I've got my own shortcomings. As we said, if you do Averos, that means you're denying this reality. So we want this to spread out and be revealed in our daily lives forever and ever. Okay. Now, the essence of the Jewish people compared to the rest of the nations of the world, and we've discussed this once before, as we said, the rest of the world is compared to the sun, and we as the Jews are compared to the moon. What does that mean? That every nation has its own natural tendencies. And just like the sun has light, has its own light, and every nation has its dispositions. Some nations are more warlike than others. Some are more emotionally or intellectually uh, focused. But the Jewish people do not have their own nature of themselves. Remember, it says there are 70 nations in the world. Well, what about the Jews? It should be 71. The answer is no, the Jews are not a nation like another nation. The Jews are like the moon. What's the idea about the moon does not have its own light? The only thing it does is reflects the, the light that it finds from the sun. So therefore, the Jew is like a mirror. And when the Jew is in Canada, he's a Canadian. And if he's in Russia, he's a Russian. Okay? And this is a real big deal. We very much internalize what our surroundings are. That's the way Hashem made us. And obviously he did that, so we will be, since we're in the Tselem Elohim, we're 
the image of Hashem. We should be able to reflect divinity. That's what it's there for. However, if we don't use, if we reflect the wrong things, it can be very problematic. And here's a critical difference. Let's say you have a nice little Jewish boy and a nice little non-Jewish boy. And they're watching a movie. And in the movie, so-and-so kills so-and-so. So for the non-Jew, he looks at it as straightforward. Uh, it's it's uh, he sees this as as uh, something uh, that is exciting, and a little spark of murder goes into that kid. A little bit. You watch enough, then you'll become a murderer. A Jewish child, he's like a mirror. And then that defines the Jew. That becomes part of his essence. Okay, not just a little spark. Okay, uh, and therefore uh, it, it affects his soul because the Jew, the non-Jew has his own personality. Okay, we'll add a drop of murder to my personality. The Jew has no personality. So it's like the Jew becomes a murderer. Because what a Jew sees becomes part of him. We are so affected by things around us. And therefore, uh, as we've said, the goal is why Hashem made that way. That Hashem made it so that we can uh, shine the beauty of Hashem. Okay? When a non-Jew speaks to Hashem, he has a certain connection. Right? He speaks with him, but when a Jew stands in the presence of God, it's not just a connection, it's he's shining Hashem. He's absorbing the essence of Hashem, just like the, the, the mirror absorbs the essence of what's across it. And therefore this explains in the Chazal that when Hashem created first man, the angels made a mistake and they thought to call first man God. So therefore, what did what Hashem do? He had him go to sleep. And therefore, they knew he can't be God if he's asleep. Now, what does that mean? Did they really think he was, was, was first man really God? No, but before he sinned, he was so pure. The mirror was 100% perfect. He shined exactly what Hashem was. And therefore, the angels could make a mistake and even think he's God. And therefore, the Gemara Babasra says, in the future, Mashiach comes to Tzadikim, will stay before Hashem Kadosh, just like before, um, one second, but when people will call a Tzadik Kadosh, just like we call Hashem Kadosh, there'll be a day that they'll say about the Tzadikim, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Because in the future, that Tzadikim will be so clean from sin and so nullified to Hashem, it's going to be such a perfect reflection of Hashem. And therefore, when a person says, Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem, and he understands clearly this truth, it becomes absorbed in him. He reflects the beautiful Kedusha of what Shema Yisrael is, how everything is so sweet. It's mamish. If we have the right kavana, we mamish absorb the message. A goy, he sees these words, he doesn't absorb the message. He's already got his own nature. 
and it have to fit into what his own nature already is. But a Jew doesn't have his own nature. And he's only reflecting what Hashem is and he sees that there's an infinite God and he absorbs that inside to him and shines from him. Okay, it's all holiness. Okay. Now, obviously, this can only happen as a result of the Shema if we are totally clinging to Kedusha and we aren't thinking about other things. Okay, what if before he's saying the Shema, let's say by Marif, where Shema is pretty soon, when you start, you decide to, uh, whatever, look at the things in the internet. Okay, you want to know what's new. You have to understand what's happening. When you're doing that, you're absorbing that. That, that the news is you. So how could you absorb Kedusha of Hashem completely? The mirror is already fogged up. Right? Even if it's not bad things, we're not talking about pornography, just stop the news. But you, So you're filled with news. Okay. So how are you going to be able to absorb all of Hashem? You got to manage, get rid of it. That's why we say that the early Hasidim spent an hour before they davened. Cleaning up the mirror, polishing it up, shining it up. And Pinka says, this is the challenge of our generation. We're so sunk into the events of this world and we're not able to absorb the Kedusha inside of ourselves. And really what we need to do is separate ourselves from this world. But we really have no business with the rest of the world. Okay? Um, it's been 3,000 years since we got the Torah. We're supposed to be disattached from the world as the prophet Bilam, the wicked one said Hain am it's a nation that sits in solitude and it's not considered amongst the nations of the world from the fact this Shabbos from Kabbalah Satira on we live as they say the Dalad Amos of Halacha the four Amos of Halacha alone you live in the world of Torah you just live Torah. You fulfill the words, you shall toil in the Torah day and night. When a Jew says, Shema Yisrael should be trembling with this tremendous connection that he's bonding with Hashem. He says, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. He's filled with love beyond. It's Elokeinu, he's our Lord. Ah, but now the, the Mechitza, the barrier is so strong. We're so sunken into the vanities of the world and connected to it, and we're reflecting that, and therefore Kedusha is not able to reflect. But when a Jew sees these words clearly and bonds with his whole heart to Hashem, it's filled with love that's infinite to Hashem. And then, of course, what's the next paragraph? The haftas Hashem lokecha, that the Kedusha fills your whole essence, you come to total love of Hashem. So this is a very challenging uh, uh, model here for us to do. Because on the one hand, people are going to say, what are you talking about? Should we just be in a monastery? So the answer is, no, you don't have to be in a monastery. But you should, first of all, be in places where you're supposed to be, not in places you're not supposed to be. So therefore, all the shtuyot 
of this world, all the um, entertaining, all entertainment in general, no matter what form it takes, is a waste of time. And not only that, you reflect it. And when you're full of reflecting all those things, even if they're quote-unquote parv, it still does not leave room to you to reflect Hashem totally. So therefore, but what are you going to say? I should stay in my house all day long? No, you're not supposed to stay in your house all day long. The Shema says, as you go on the way. You're meant to go on the way. But the question is, you are, first of all, you're only going to places where you want to bring Hashem with you. Now, you have to go to certain places. Starting off, start your day, first thing you go to shul. <laughs> okay, and the shul should be a, a central part of your life. Not all day long, but it's always at your home and your shul is your second home. If you're not at home and you don't have other compelling things, you're in shul. That's it. Now, okay, you got to work. Okay, you got to work. Shem's not saying you're not allowed to work. Of course you're working. But you're working with Hashem. And the total focus is this is all Hashem. Hi, there's clients and there's this and that. It's all Hashem. And therefore Hashem gave me a Torah of how to um, halachically deal in a business-like manner with another person. And therefore when you're discussing a deal, you say, is this the way the Torah says I can discuss it or not? Am I allowed, am I allowed to portray things not 100% honestly? You know, if you, uh, I'm sure there's a challenge in your industry, not that you do it, to not disclose everything that you should disclose. Right? <clears throat> you know you represent the client and the property is not a good property but there's no way the buyer will know it until three years later. You know, there's certain faults with it, but it's not broken now. But you could see it's, but you know, and you have the sophistication, well, the buyer doesn't. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know this is not a good deal for the, for the buyer, but you just want to make your commission. So, no, I'm just give, I'm giving an extreme example. You can you can give better examples, probably. Well, it's a lot softer. You know, you, you have to represent the client from one side, so you you automatically. But you're honestly, you're never seeing everything the other side. You're hurting your client if you do. Honestly, but you can't hurt the buyer too. That's the idea. My client does not give. So in the Goyish world, my client means I care about my client and I don't care about the buyer. The Torah says you have to care about both. The seller has to care about the buyer. I don't remember which tzaddik it was. I'm sorry, I just cannot remember. It's a tzaddik who lived in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, he inherited from his whatever, whatever, a piece of property, a little piece of farmland in Eretz Yisrael. And he was a rabbi. He's learning all day long. He has nothing to do with the property. But uh, had a little bit to it, but it was a really not a good property. Finally, he was told, you know, I think you should sell it. So he's going to sell it. So what happened is, so he went and it was getting close. It was a serious buyer. So they said, okay, the rabbi has to come and, uh, you know, show the property. This person from Eretz Yisrael, a person from America came. He wanted to buy a piece of land in Israel. 
if it's a good shidduch, this rabbi doesn't need the piece of land. He wants to buy it. So what happens is, so they, and they have to bring the rabbi. So the rabbi comes, and the client, the, the prospective buyer comes, and the rabbi right away says, okay, I want to tell you all the faults of my property. Meanwhile, the agent is going nuts. He's saying, what do you do? You're not going to sell if you do this. So i got to tell the truth. The truth is it doesn't irrigate well. The truth of the matter is it's not in a good position to get all the sun that you get. It goes through every major problem. Then what happens, as they're talking, he notices the wealthy American Jew takes a pill out of his pocket and puts it in his mouth. So the rabbi says, Oi, are you sick? He says, No, I'm not sick. It's just, you know, my heart pills. Heart pills? I'm not selling the property to you. I don't want you to die. You should have her a foolish shalema. I'm not selling you this property. It's not going to be good for your heart. Deal was stopped. So some people look at the story and they say, Wow, what was the whole purpose of that story? The rabbi didn't end up selling it. You know what the purpose was? So the rabbi should give that man a bracha. It was a tzaddik. Gives him a bracha. Maybe that gave him another 10 years of life. Who knows? But what's the point? So that in that time, did the, did the rabbi go away from Hashem at any point? No. I he was on a piece of farm. He was dealing with a negotiation. But it was, it was mamish reflecting Hashem. So this is our role, is to reflect Hashem in the outer world. But you got to remember that you are the reflector and not, we'll pen the word, and not the reflectee. And that's the problem. So when you go out, okay, so you go to the doctor's office. So what do you do? You bring a safer with you. You look and you be Mavra Sedra, whatever. They, they should see it's a Jew and a Jew doesn't look at his cell phone all day long. Jew doesn't, a Jew studies the book and you reflect that and then then you can be part of the world it's when it says hashem only has the dalad amas halacha what does that mean it means wherever you go everybody has his own dalad amas everyone has this little space your space we'll call it the safe space and what's the safe space the safe space of halacha that halacha determines what my next behavior is and by that, I reflect the divine nature of what I have. And if people see an image of God is in front of them, that's what it's about. And that produces Kiddush Hashem. But when you see a Jew is just copying a non-Jew, and he just has a keep on his head, and that's it, then you're not reflecting godliness. You're reflecting whatever everybody else is reflecting. And more than that, you're absorbing it while they don't absorb it. That is why you'll find that Jews who go off the derech, why are they so much better than non-Jews in whatever uh, vocations they choose? Because the non-Jew has his own nature, okay, and then there's work on top of it. The Jew absorbs the work. When you absorb the work, you only think about that. That's all you think about, and you'll do a better job. So therefore, we got to be careful what we absorb and um, even brief encounters with things cause a lot of absorption. And therefore, when we're davening, the whole point is if for us to get to Shema, it takes a while because we've got to 
push away everything else. That's what all the davening has been doing to get us to be focused more and more on Hashem so that we can finally absorb this most powerful message. Okay? And it certainly is the same thing with Shabbos. Shabbos is something to be absorbed. And how do you do that? You got it slowly on the air of Shabbos, cuts, cut the rest of the world out. And, and, and the earlier you can do that, the better, so that when Shabbos comes, you absorb the Shabbos. You reflect the Shabbos. People see Shabbos on your face. That's only the degree we can cut everything out. It's a, it's a daunting task, but that's clearly what that's about. So therefore, when you absorb the message of Shema, then you're able to mamish, say the next words, and really mean that, to love Hashem completely. Because there's nothing else that you have in mind with that. Okay. We now have a few more minutes to begin the next chapter. One line quickly. I think the name is six days a week. Be careful what you see and be careful what you hear. And the Shabbos, you don't have to worry about it. Shabbos is easy. That's true. If you're careful what you see and hear during the week, then Shabbos should be easy. Exactly. Okay. So now, that's our... Um, connection, so to speak, when we talk about the Shema, recognizing Hashem. This next chapter says, uh, it goes deeper into now the connection from God's side. It's not just a one-way street. Okay. So now, again, Rupinkus reviews a little bit to know exactly where we're holding in the davening. And of course, we said there's many levels during the davening. We start with brachos, sukkah zimra, the brachos of the shema, level after level to the final level of the amida, standing before Hashem, complete cleaving to Hashem. Now, in the middle of all this, we have the brachos of the kriya shema, and we have the shema is the core. And really, Rapinka says something very interesting. He says, okay, every level makes sense in the progression that we have. And even this section of the Birchas Kriyashma is a level. But the essential Kriyashma itself really is not fitting into levels of elevation. And it seems to be a little bit uh, an exception to the rule of elevation as he will say. He's going to explain. He says, the brachas of Kriyashma, they are paralleling what we call the Olam Akisei, the world of the throne, the world of Bria, uh, the Kisei HaKavad, the throne of glory. Okay, now, that's the brachas of Shema. Now, every king has two conducts. The king has his own personal life, that has nothing to do with the kingdom. And he also has a life where he rules the country. Okay. When the king is having his private life, then he's totally disconnected from the, from the nation. He lives with his family. He's naturally connected to them. He doesn't have to do anything to have him connect with his family. They're already commingled with each other because of uh, the blood, right? And uh, 
and therefore he doesn't really uh, have anything to do with the country per se. But on the other hand, if he wants to rule over the country, he has to be very involved with the country. It's interesting. The rabbis, for example, ask, what did Esther see? That's, or what, did, what happened that she should rule over 127 countries? How did she get that opportunity? Well, she was the wife of the king. That gave the opportunity. But now he mentions there's two types of conduct that Hashem has, and we call this the Olam Hakiseh. That is the situation, the world of the throne, where he goes out of the private life, and he sits on the Kisakava, the throne of glory, the throne of majesty. And from the throne of majesty, that's where he directs the country. And if people want to connect to the king, they go to the throne, right? And they speak to the king there. The key say that throne is what bonds the king to the people. All right, that's the key say. Now, in the three first parts of davening, we recognize uh, the and try to connect to the king until we reach the key say. We said for Hashem, Hashem is He opens up the eyes of the blind. He gives us clothes. That's the lower world of action. Then we go up to the world of Yitzirah. Okay, and we get a little bit closer to the world of the Malachim. And then we get to the Kisei itself, which is a very strong connection. But we have not yet reached the familial connection to the king. Okay. Because that is an essential connection. Okay. So these three levels with all the preparation for the Shimon Esrei, where there were mamas standing before the king. Okay. And there it's not done through the Kisei. That is a direct connection. That's a family connection. That's the Amida. Okay. We're mamas, a part of God's private life. And this is the concept we're going to say in Shir Shirim, one of the first few psukim. Heviyani HaMelech Hadarav, the king brings me into his chambers. That's going into the Kodshe Kadoshim. That's Shabbos. The private life of a Baruch Hu slash the king. We become part of his family, and that connection happens through the Kriyashma, as we shall explain. So, so what do we say? At every step of the davening, we get closer and closer to Hashem. And in the Amida, where Mamish have a connection without any intermediaries, it's Mamish face to face. That is the Amida. So now it comes the big question. He said, with a flesh and blood king, we understand there's a private life which doesn't need any connection between him and his family because they're flesh and blood. Same type. We could see that's very clear. Aye, but how is it possible for us to be connected to Hashem without any intermediary between God, who's an infinite being beyond any comprehension, and people who are flesh and blood? How is that going to happen? That becomes a challenge, a real challenge. You want to get closer and closer to the king, you can't just be his kid. 
and now you don't need any go-betweens. You got an issue, you just talk, you talk to dad, you're one and the same. That's beyond the throne now. You're not in the throne, you're in the king's private quarters. But so the analogy is good in every way until you get to that final part where you're totally connected as one with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that becomes a challenge, and that's how we'll see, it's just beginning now, how this is going to show you that the Shema does not fit into the overall uh, steps of growing closer and closer to Hashem. It seems that we're jumping in a little too quick by the Shema. Because Shema Hashem again, Hashem Achad, whoa! That means you've given up all, all existence. So that's the challenge that where does the Shema exact seems we've gone ahead of ourselves. And that's what we'll talk about next week in Yer Tzah Hashem. Have a good Arab Shabbos, everybody.